3CR Radio is here to stay, but only with your help. Throughout the month of June, we're asking listeners to support radical community-owned media during our June Station Appeal. Like so many community organizations, we are feeling the impact of COVID-19, and we know you are too. Independent community media is more important than ever, and we hope you can show your support for the station you love with a donation. To find out how, go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Stay safe, and thanks for listening! Good morning and welcome to Out of the Blue on Sunday the 28th of June. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855am. You can stream our show online at www.3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue, where you'll also find our podcast. To keep up to date with the latest ocean news, follow our Facebook page at Out of the Blue Radio. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land 3CR is broadcasting from and pay our respects to their elders past and present and to future generations. My name is James Whitmore, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about an environmental battle building on the coasts of Western Victoria. We'll be right back after this announcement. Throughout the month of June, we'll be asking you, the listener, to support radical community-owned media during our June Station Appeal. We'll be taking donations online to help keep the station going for another year. Like so many community organisations, we're feeling the impact of COVID-19 restrictions, and we know you are too. But independent community media is more important than ever, and we hope you can show your support with a donation. The 3CR Station Appeal starts on Monday the 1st of June. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. 3CR, here to stay. Two years ago, the Victorian government opened up new areas of the seafloor for gas exploration, inviting gas companies to tender for licences. The new areas are in Western Victoria, between Cape Otway and the South Australian border a region known as the Otway Basin. It's the same coast that includes marine national parks like the Twelve Apostles and Discovery Bay. With a decision due soon on which companies will be granted exploration licences, a local campaign is ramping up to stop any gas development. I spoke to Kate Wacho from Friends of the Earth via Zoom to find out more. So Kate, can you tell me a bit about yourself um, and what your role is at Friends of the Earth? Um... Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been involved at uh, Friends of the Earth for a while. Um, at the moment in 2020, I've gone back to uni, so I'm doing my honours. I'm studying community leadership in disaster response, um, which has I've kind of ended up there because of my Friends of the Earth work. Um, I'm really interested in communities and kind of the benefits of if we actually kind of support community leadership in like after a disaster, after a fire, um, even like look at something like Corona, like where, where that goes as opposed to having that top down approach from governments or industry. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm studying at the moment. Uh, but I've been, uh, I've been at FO for a while kind of volunteering and I've worked in a few roles. Um, I'm from the Latrobe Valley originally. That's where I grew up. Um, and that's where kind of the coal is all dug up and burnt in Victoria. And so kind of I, I've, you know, moved around to a couple of different um, environmental organisations as I grew up because, you know, I'm, I love the environment. I love going out, you know, paddling and 
kayaking and swimming and all that sort of stuff. Um, I really like faux, uh, Friends of the Earth faux's approach uh, because it, it looks at, you know, what do we need to do? So we know that we need to kind of rapidly transition away from fossil fuels, um, but we also need to support the communities who are um, on like the, the climate front lines, but also the fossil fuel front lines. So, you know, this is all like the reason for, you know, taking action on climate change is because we have to support communities. Uh, and that means all communities. So um, no one gets left behind, you know? So that was kind of what drew me to Friends of the Earth is that uh, kind of really comprehensive and then really intersectional approach to um, environmental and, and social change. All right. Um, so can you give us a bit of a history of what's happening in the Otway Basin off the Western Victorian coast? In 2018, the Andrews government released five new oil and gas exploration blocks off the coastline, uh, stretching... Uh, east from the South Australian border. Um, and so what a kind of oil or gas block is, is it's basically a section like of um, kind of an area offshore where it's then legal for a company to drill and figure out if they're going to have a commercially viable uh, kind of project there for oil or gas. Um, the location of these exploration blocks is, uh, as I said, east along the coastline from the South Australian border. Uh, the first and the second block surround the Discovery Bay Marine National Park. So they're on either side of the, uh, the national park. Um, and then the blocks cover the, the coast east from the park uh, across uh, Portland, Port Ferry and Warrnambool and a bit beyond Warrnambool. And then there's a gap and then there's another block, which is located right alongside the 12 Apostles Marine National Park, like right next to it, which is not where you want it at all. Uh, alongside kind of drilling for oil and gas, there'd be other kind of testing activities that would be allowed there. Uh, and we know uh, from the time frame in which companies could tender for one of the five new blocks closed uh, last year in February, and uh, that there was strong interest from the companies that do want to develop gas in the area. Um, and so now we're expecting an announcement in regards to which companies were successful to happen uh, over the coming months at some point. And so what are your concerns about gas development in this area? There's kind of multiple concerns um, because it's, uh, it's such a kind of complex, uh, you know, issue. Um, so... There's the environmental concerns, which are pretty significant. Um, any gas drilling requires seismic testing, which, as we all know, can be devastating to whales and to dolphins and other marine life. Uh, and this is all in an area where um, southern right whales are expected uh, to kind of, they, they come back and where they have their, kind of, for their calves. So this is a really important habitat where we want to have a really disruptive industry come in and start drilling and testing and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we know from where offshore gas already exists in Victoria, so off um, the East Gippsland coastline, that there are impacts like uh, land subsidence. Uh, so when they deplete the gas from the wells, that has an impact onshore where, with land subsidence um, and aquifer depletion and saltwater movement. So these are like, there's a multi-layered impacts that can happen just from the kind of 
the regular day-to-day -day, uh, you know, impact of drilling. That's without anything even going wrong. And so we know that stuff can and does go wrong with these sorts of projects. Um, just looking at kind of the, uh, the disaster that happened in the United States in 2010 in the Gulf uh, of Mexico, uh, where the, the Deepwater Horizon oil spill occurred. And that's still, the cleanup for that is still happening today. And the, the loss of um, livelihood that happened in the area, like that's a massive coastline that became covered in oil and, and toxic and like animals were just dying off. There's still toxicity today. That, and if they're drilling for oil or gas, like that, that's a potential thing that could happen in Victoria. And that is a huge concern because it just, it would kill off the coastline. Yeah, and it's we don't know how long it would take to recover, but and so the impact that that would have on the environment and communities in Victoria really can't be overstated. Um, and then just looking at the communities, so there is strong community opposition to having these new offshore gas developments in uh, Southwest Victoria, um, because a lot of the uh, the economy down there or across there uh, kind of is based on um, tourism and so incomes come from like whale watching and surfing and accommodation for tourists and hospitality and service industries and if it having this new industrialization of this coastline it's it's death for the tourism industry like nobody wants to go and uh you know go on holiday somewhere where there's no whales to see there's all of these big gas developments um and they could and whatever impacts happen from potential disasters. So it's an entirely different economy to industrialize an area. And it's not kind of the future of this, this place. And um, the community has said no. Uh, and then of course, in addition to all of that is the climate impacts. So gas is a, a huge uh, emitter of um, greenhouse gas emissions, but it, it very much gets, uh, Kind of painted as the the transition fuel um the victorian government in particular wants to uh kind of get its climate credentials and be seen as this uh you know climate friendly oh we're gonna have this transition fuel it's all good but that's just false it's a fossil fuel um and not only does it emit co2 it, uh gas drilling and the transportation of gas emits methane which is even worse for uh for climate heating and uh, we've just seen from all of the bushfires, those, there's a reason that we're having mega fires now. It's because they're getting worse because of climate change. And so if we keep, you know, throwing the fuel on the fire and developing more gas, you know, that's going to get worse. And so it is absolutely the wrong thing to do for climate action in this state to develop new gas. Mm. So what can our listeners do if they'd like to support this campaign? Um, well, I would recommend like getting in touch, getting involved, because um, there's always room for everyone in, you know, the campaign. And this is an issue that affects everyone. Um, and so you can get on the Friends of the Earth website and there's places where you can um, kind of, you know, put in your interest to, to volunteer. Um, at the moment where we're kind of, working in this odd uh volunteering by distance space because of corona but uh we're always happy to facilitate people getting involved in you know whatever way works for them um also 
if people can donate to the campaign, that's so important because, uh, you know, every, every donation counts. Every, every donation makes this work possible. Um, and there's, there's a kind of a, a list online as well of different actions you can take. So if someone listening has um, a business that's impacted by, you know, by p- potential gas, um, we have a letter of concern that they can sign on to. Uh, people are really encouraged to contact their local MP to see where they stand on the issue of offshore oil and gas. Um, they can also write to their local paper, uh, particularly people from the southwest uh, southwest region. Uh, they can write into the Warnable Standard, the Portland Observer, and the Moyne Gazette. Um, and follow us on Facebook. Like we we do a lot of um, kind of Corona friendly events on Facebook. Uh, we we recently did, and by Facebook I mean other social media too. Follow us on everything. We're awesome. Um, but we recently did the stay in paddle out. So we did like a virtual paddle out because we can't, you know, go out everywhere. And it was great fun. So, you know, um, I had, I had like a surfboard and I chucked on the lawn or something and, you know, held up a sign and we had other people sitting in wheelbarrows or sitting in bathtubs or having, you know, their dog holding the sign. Um, so there's always a a way to engage on, on social media as well. And, um, you know, it, it always makes a difference, everyone who gets involved. So, yeah, I'd say, you know, check out the website and volunteer if you can. And, um, yeah, get on social media. That was Kate Watcho from Friends of the Earth. After the break, we'll be hearing from a legal expert who can tell us about the rules around gas exploration. But first, here's a tune. This is Getting Better by Jelly Ocean. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR. Oh, 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 oh,
apologize If I can't compromise Are you feeling satisfied When I die If I can't compromise Are you feeling satisfied When I die You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR and that was Getting Better by Jelly Ocean. We've been talking all about gas today, but what are the laws around gas developments and are they strong enough to protect the environment? To find out, I spoke with Samantha Hepburn, an expert in environmental law at Deakin University. So, Sam, the government's released some coast off Western Victoria for gas exploration, and we're expecting to get results of that soon. So what happens next? What's the process to get from exploration to actually drilling for gas? So there's a range of different stages in any project, particularly gas. Obviously, the first stage is to make sure that you've got sufficient reservoirs, um, so exploratory titles are issued. As we know, in Victoria... Um, and in Victorian coastal waters, um, conventional gas, uh, well, conventional gas was only banned onshore um, and unconventional gas um, and hydraulic fracturing has continued to be banned. So the moratorium was effectively lifted. That will be implemented from July 2021. Um, And in terms of the coastal areas, the idea is that we need to accelerate gas production because Victoria has, you know, 80% uh, dependency on gas. Um, and so the first stage will be exploration. Exploration titles are generally um, a lot shorter than production titles. And the idea is to determine whether there's sufficient and viable commercial reserves Um, and then potentially move on to an interim stage, which is usually a retention title uh, where, you know, the the project proponent can actually um, get investors in and try and work out feasibility and then moving on to a full production title. So the exploration title is generally, in an onshore context, the exploration title is the first point at which um, the... Licence holder will meet if there is a private landowner or meet um, any parties that are objecting to it because that's the first stage when notification of the title will have been issued. Mm. So, how long does the process usually typically take from granting an exploration licence to production if it's going to happen? Oh, okay, well, that's a long time. So, exploration. Um, And, you know, it can depend on how many renewals are issued, but generally you've got an exploratory title for about five years. Uh, Then you might have a retention title, which is just like an interim period where you're getting everything together. So remember, exploration is about, it's not full production. It's simply, and the only activities that are authorised by that licence will be activities relevant to, uh, you know, exploratory drilling. So small drills for the purpose of taking out samples to determine the scope of the reservoir 
um, and you know the feasibility of extracting that gas. Um, and that will, as I said, usually five, sometimes you can get a renewed period. And the other important thing to remember with uh, an exploration title is that many, many exploration titles don't progress on to full production titles. So just because an exploration title has been issued does not mean that it will become a full production. It, it's, it's a, there's a lot of um, questions to be answered in the positive. Um, obviously, there has to be gas reserves that has to be viable. You have to get investment. You have to have a work plan. You have to get your environmental approvals. So the whole heap of stages that you have to go through. Mm. So local campaignism, there's already a local campaign around this, are concerned about things like climate change and impacts on marine ecosystems. Do you think the regulations around gas address these concerns adequately as they stand? No, well, well, basically what you have is in Victoria is environmental effects statement and it, it's woefully inadequate because in, in many situations that can be at the discretion of the minister. Um, and even when it is being evaluated, it's a statement rather than an impact assessment. Um, and so it's, it's sort of predicting what might happen. Um, whereas in many situations with gas, it's unclear what the environmental impact, the cumulative environmental impact will be until it's happening. Um, and, you know, I mean, and in that sense, I suppose we can critique all environmental approval processes because many of them are, you know, based on what they think will happen and then environmental conditions are imposed on those, on those grounds. In Victoria, um, it's a fairly weak environmental assessment process uh, it's at the discretion of the minister. It really doesn't take into account um, the sort of things that we are concerned about now, in particular fugitive emissions. Uh, how do we measure those emissions? Uh, are, is there a higher concentration of methane in areas where conventional gas is being conducted? We know that it's a big issue for unconventional gas. Um, and indeed, why are we accelerating fossil fuel projects when, of course, we know that we have uh, an enormous capacity to uptake uh, many renewable projects. And we have got a lot of renewable projects in the pipeline as well. The idea seems to be that um, if you rely too heavily on renewables, then you will diminish energy security, which is this kind of notion that you have to have consistency. Uh, sort of that's, it's a bit outdated really, This idea of baseload, that's that you've continually got um, something burning or something with the capability of, of ramping up quickly and gas turbines ramp up quickly because of the um, fact that with, with renewables, you've got, you know, they're weather dependent and storage hasn't, isn't optimum and they may not be able to respond to peak times as effectively. Mm. And that brings me to the point that gas seems to be all the rage in Australia at the moment. Um, the federal government seems to want to make it a major pillar of the pandemic recovery. And as you mentioned, the Victorian government has just overturned a ban on gas drilling on land. So why is everyone talking about gas right now? Yeah, well, good question. Why is everyone talking about gas? I mean, we should be really massively accelerating renewables. Um, and I think for two reasons. First of all, um, the global coal market is in decline. 
Um, and so we have been very dependent on coal. Uh, we're a coal-rich country, but that's starting to shift. And investment in coal-fired energy is shifting as well. But gas is has a, uh, a different... It's still fossil fuel, but its perception is that it's cleaner. Now, that's, of course, going to be dependent upon how many fugitive emissions come out because methane is up to 27 times more potent than carbon. Um, and, of course, it still involves highly destructive process of you know extraction process um but the other thing i suppose is australia is also gas rich and we've developed a large number of lng trains that uh in, in in queensland that are exporting gas into an international market and we're we're about to or i think we actually did surpass qatar as the biggest gas exporter in the world um and so that's this kind of idea that we are, that's it, the, our economy is grounded on that. And yet, and yet, you know, it's not actually helping many of our domestic consumers because prices on the East Coast have quadrupled, uh, largely because we're having to compete with an international market. A lot of our domestic gas is going to contracts uh, that have been entered into with um, for overseas purchases. Uh, and there hasn't been uh, regulatory frameworks to protect domestic users against uh, price increases. Um, and indeed, as the ACCC has sort of indicated, it may well be that any competitive behaviour is going on, that, that gas is being, um, you know, kept from the domestic market, even though it's actually in decline in the international market in order to ensure that prices remain high. So particularly in the East Coast and in the East Coast market, um, domestic users have actually been paying a lot more, um, despite the fact that we've actually probably got a glut of um, gas internationally. So I think what we're seeing at the moment with gas is it has become a global commodity. There is a perception that it's cleaner than coal. It hasn't experienced the same levels of decline internationally as coal. There's still a strong demand for it, um, particularly in you know Japan and um, we, we see basically um, there were figures where um, the Japanese were paying a lot less than what domestic consumers were paying and we're actually having to import gas that we sold to Japan back um, and store it in import facilities that are being constructed. So there's obviously problems in terms of how we protect domestic users, how we set up a domestic framework and how we deal with a rapidly growing um, international framework. And gas is seen as a transition resource, you know, a resource that is imperative in a new energy mix that would, in, would include renewables. But you need gas because you need to be sure that in the event of a peak, you can ramp up quickly um, and you're not going to have too many problems in, in terms of supply. Sam, thank you so much for joining us on Out of the Blue. Absolute pleasure. That was Samantha Hepburn, Professor of Law at Deakin University. And thanks to Kate Watcho from Friends of the Earth. We need your support to keep telling important stories about our oceans. If you can, please support 3CR by making a donation. If you've ever thought about it, this is the month to do it. 
You've been listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio. To listen to this episode again or any of our previous episodes, head to www.3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue, where you'll find our podcast and follow our Facebook page, Out of the Blue Radio, for updates. See you next week and stay well.